Okay, uh, do you want to do the intro? Yeah, does that mean you're doing a synopsis? No. <laughs> I can do the intro, I can do, I've got a synopsis written, so I can do intro and straight you into it. You do the or... intro and do the synopsis, and okay. then you can talk about the book and I'll go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll have more to say about it than that. <laughs> oh, this is annoying because that was a really cute soundbite. <laughs> we should have been actually doing this. <laughs> this can be for the bloopers. Right. Oh, God, right. Okay. okay. Okay, right. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Book Pod. I am Hannah, and Rhiannon is sitting remotely over in her house in Manchester. Hello. We are this week talking about our latest featured read, which is The Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Lefteri. Um, I'm going to dive in and just do a quick little summary of the plot, and then we're going to have a bit of chat, we hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Maybe. So the, the titular beekeeper of the title is Nuri Ibrahim, who is also the narrator of the novel. He and his wife Afra have fled from Syria due to the violence of the Syrian civil war. And we meet them in England where they're waiting to find out whether they'll be granted asylum or not. Their story is told through flashbacks with chapters alternating between the pre-war past in their homeland, the perilous journey from Aleppo to London and their continuing fight to gain refugee status in the UK. Um, I feel like that's a nice little summing up of what happens. Yeah we can deep dive into some of the into some of the bigger moments but i guess the the big question is did you and did you enjoy it yeah <laughs> uh yeah i did um i don't know i was just saying before we pressed record i'm not sure like how much i'll have to say on this book so <laughs> Either it'll be a really short episode or Hannah mogalogging. Mog- <laughs> can you? <laughs> I can. I can mogalog for as long as you need. <laughs> Guys, I'm tired. That's I'm really word, tired. Rhiannon's word of the day: mogalog. <laughs> mogalog. That's not a word. We started our own language now. Oh my goodness! Right. Anyway. The book. Um, yes, I did really enjoy it. Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure it was what I thought it was going to be, but then I'm not sure what I thought it was going to be. Um, so, I don't know. I think it was more of a story about the main character I than the place, like Aleppo, Syria. I, that yeah. was... I, I guess that's probably the first thing that, that springs to mind for me. But I I really enjoyed I I loved the storytelling. I um I really liked all the little uh I I liked the flashbacks and like the go the going back and forwards. I got a little bit conf- I was listening to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. So I got a tiny bit confused. I think I sometimes find it more difficult especially because it's only one voice it's it's just just read uh by by the one guy i found it hard sometimes to distinguish a little bit um i think i would have found it a little easier if i was reading it in text format yeah um but that was just that was just my 
thing, I think. I th- I thought this because I, I b- partially listened on my commute and then when I got home, kind of picked up in the book where I was at. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I noted when, in, when reading the book is that there was a really interesting um, mechanism that she used, which I didn't pick up on on the audio book, was that at the end of every kind of passage of, say, present day narration, the last word of the passage would then be the first word of the next passage, which was the flashback. And there was in the book like a nice illustrated page with that one word. So I've written them down. I thought there was a secret code. There isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I went through the whole book writing them down like there's going to be a secret message. They're not. They're just nice, pretty words. But so, for example, the first kind of section ends with the word bronze in London and then begins with the word bronze in the flashback in Aleppo, um, which I, I wouldn't have picked up on had I not been... Mm-mm. reading that physical book and I thought it was really nice for for me who I, I I'm not a massive fan of a dual timeline flashback kind of a novel that actually helped to to kind of identify for me whether I was moving in time or not those little placeholders yep. um on the page was ah now we're going back to a different time um yeah so I think that maybe it kind of lost that a little bit in the audio book. In the audio. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I read about that after finishing after finishing it. Right. I was doing a bit of a bit of background reading afterwards. Um and yeah, I I didn't pick up on it at all. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like that would have been a really helpful little like marker. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy the audiobook rendition of it because I did think that the narration was really really nice I thought um it added a lot to it I thought he was a brilliant voice actor uh but yeah maybe those couple of little nuances were slightly lost um lost on me which yeah sometimes took me a little bit of I think um, partly it's probably because I've been really tired and zooming around and listening to that this on my commute when I'm like half dead (laughs) on the way to school or on the way back from a really late night concert or whatever um so yeah maybe maybe my brain thread is slightly (laughs) unraveled i think the voice actor did have a very soothing voice though reading it yeah it it was lovely it was very nice to listen to but yeah i sometimes found myself just not uh not actually listening to what the words were, just listening to the sounds. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was... Um, and then being like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> I was um, I was thinking as well before we recorded about... I'd sent you a message um, the other day when I was listening to a little bit saying how he'd, <laughs> he'd made me fully rethink the way that I said the word orange. Because... Because <laughs> he... talking away this amazing lovely passage about life in Syria and the Narenge trees and I'm thinking Narenge? Who says orange? Like Narenge? And then I read the book and looked at it and went oh no it's just actually a tree called a Narenge tree but I was fully like lost in his in his confused yeah Yeah. (laughs) have I said orange wrong the whole of my life? (laughs) Literally my whole life I thought it was said orange it's it's apparently orange. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we've That's both not... <laughs> lost the plot a bit with this book. I feel like I feel like I have lost the plot a bit this this week. Um, 
I, it, it's a very serious and heartfelt book, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm in a serious and heartfelt <laughs> place in my mind. But I, I, I did really enjoy it. I really enjoyed hearing about sort of from the perspective of a refugee. Yeah. So like I like I was saying before, it it definitely felt like it was more a story of of him of of his wife Afra, um, and their personal journey rather than anything to do with specifically Syria. That there's a bit of scene painting, yeah, of of Aleppo, but. I, I don't know, that that side of things washed over me a little bit. It was much more about their state of mind and their yeah. determination and, and the things that they specifically had to overcome, which I guess could be, I, I don't know, could be translated to plenty of other countries with, with refugees. Yeah, that's what I was just going um, to say. I wondered whether that was intentional because... I know yeah. um, from the little um, segment at the back of the book where the author explains kind of her mm. inspiration for the book, she worked yeah. with refugees in um, Greece and those refugees came from all countries all across the world yeah, where there is wide, yeah. horrors that they're trying to escape. So I I do think that the story and message she was trying to get across was, was less about the place they were fleeing and more about the people themselves. I think it was, yeah, I think it was probably deliberate. And the, yeah, and the give, bits just that give, she, give them a voice. Yeah. The bits that she did write about Aleppo in the, the, the life that they lived before sounded so beautiful. And mm. I think that was important also because I think so much of the kind of rhetoric that you read about refugees and people who are fleeing these countries is as though they're looking for for something here as though they didn't have a lovely life there these are people who yeah. who loved their home who wanted to live there who had lives and family and roots and history in these amazing beautiful countries they haven't left for no reason um yeah. i think it's important that that is also kind of shown in the light that it was it's that's their home and they have beautiful memories of it as well as terrible memories um yeah absolutely i think that i wanted i wanted more of that side of things because i find that that makes me able to connect more with them as uh, as normal people not just people that are fleeing something terrible Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's that's where where I was coming from with that. I just wanted more of that that side of things, um, but uh, maybe that would have made it into an enormous book. <laughs> it's quite a nice, like accessible sized yeah. book for for something that is such a, a heavy topic. Yeah. It's very readable. Yeah, may- maybe that would have made it a little bit too hefty. I yeah, I, I when yeah. you said that it was very readable, I found the same thing. When you consider the the topic that it's covering is quite a heavy one, I didn't find it hard to read. I thought it was Mm-mm. it flowed really nicely. Um, the way that she wrote, I I did enjoy. I think it was easy. It was an easy read, and I and I. I feel like it's it's again it's one of those weird ones to say I enjoyed reading it because there's horrible things that are talked about and it's almost 
I kept being kind of taken out of the reality of it almost and reminding myself that this is a fictionalized version of something which happens is still happening now to hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people and when I had those moments of re- realization that the moments where they're on the boat and scared and worried and wondering where they're going and what what's going to be on the other side of the water is feelings that people have now and are facing every day yeah and I was a bit like I'm just getting taken along with this story enjoying it almost and yeah. almost forgetting that this is real this is not it's not yeah. far removed it's not 25 30 years ago it's now yeah this is what so i i i think before i started reading the book i i for some reason thought that this book was written quite a while ago mm-hmm. i don't know i think i i've just seen it so much but not really looked into it that that much at all that i just presumed that it has been knocking around for quite quite a long time so when it became apparent to me that it was a a very recent book talking about very recent times i mean i know the all of the syrian um crisis like that's obviously been in the news pretty recently Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just didn't for whatever reason didn't put two and two together in my my brain so, yeah, it it does make it a bit more like uh, brings it closer to home, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I think it's a it's a almost a kind of makes those images and the people and the faces that you see on the news and in the in the newspapers. It almost makes them three D because it puts a story yeah. behind them that you can almost imagine yeah. the children, the faces of the children that you see. That could be the children that you meet in this novel, and it's. Yeah. I think it's important. I think it's um it's a human it's the human side of the refugee crisis yeah. told in a in a human way and it's um yeah I weirdly enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's just the connection thing, isn't it? That's the problem with the 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 world of news mm-hmm. these days is that we we have like these images and all of that kind of things basically splashed across the front pages and on the internet and wherever you look like you you can find out about all of these things but then it their their news is it's like they're not being talked about really as if they're actual people so i think yeah. having the the narrative that follows them and them only mm-hmm. is was a really a really nice thing to feel like you're you're giving time and 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 the voice to yeah. to those people. What did you um, think of the? I guess the main the main characters that we follow is Nuri and Afra. What did you think about them as characters? Did you like them? Did you connect with them at all? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> the. Afra, I n- not so much because, well, we we were seeing her through Nuri's eyes, and yeah. he feels disconnected from her. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I didn't feel particularly connected yeah. to her. Um, I felt really horrendous for her um, and what she she'd had to to go through. Um, but I didn't feel particularly 
connected until slightly later obviously the latter part of the novel where things start to become a little bit clearer as to what's going on but yeah I think Nuri I I did I liked his way of talking about things I mean I the the way the author made him talk about things <laughs> um yeah i i found him engaging as a as a protagonist i don't know what about you i yeah i really uh, similar with afra was the same kind of feeling she was very definitely closed off and and disconnected yeah. she's um an artist in the novel and she's blind as a result of um witnessing the bomb explosion that kills their son and i think um she was almost like this untouchable i don't know even the way that nuri spoke about her was as though the person that he knew didn't exist anymore so i was almost like missing the person that he talked about in the past and i was like oh i wish i knew he she was far more engaging of a character in his memories than she she was in the present day narration uh, which I guess was probably yeah. purposeful and that's the way he felt about yeah. her um, I loved the way he cared for her constantly and constantly spoke about how amazing she was and it was this kind of determination to to like almost drag her along with him that he was going to have yeah. a better life and she had to be there also um, Yeah, I thought he was I really really liked Nuri as a character Um and the interesting element, which is the is the thing which kind of kept me guessing, I guess because it's a bit, obviously it's based upon real life events that happen and, and there isn't any kind of mysticism or magic to it. But when um, Muhammad appears, and um, so Muhammad, if you've not read the book, which, sorry, we've probably already told you things you don't want to know yet. Um <laughs> Mohammed um, is a seven-year-old little boy who is the same age as Sammy, their son, when he died. And he appears within flashbacks, but also within the present day. But we're not mm. quite sure whether he is real. Is he there? Who is he? Yeah. What is he? Um, and I like that element. That kind of kept me guessing a little yeah. bit. Do you know what? I think that was one of the first things that really started to throw me timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was listening to it, it really like jarred me. I was like, "What? Where? Where are? Where am I now? Have I like blacked out for a bit <laughs> at the wheel?" <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was one of the things that started to confuse me. But I mean, that's that was meant to confuse me, so it was it was right. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, apart from me second guessing myself and thinking that I may have blacked out the wheel, but um, yeah, I also enjoyed that that element like the the, i guess the the effect on mental health of such unbelievable trauma and upheaval i really liked that that side of things was like really well really well discussed yeah um um that we sort of discovered different things along that that had kind of been happening within their brains yeah. uh, as we went through um as we went through the novel uh, and yeah i kind of didn't i didn't see i didn't see everything coming at all like it, i was i was baffled um for a bit of it 
again it might have just been me being tired um but <laughs> there were moments like, where, where are we going with this where i kind of was i'd convinced myself oh maybe he was a real boy that they'd met on this on the journey mm-hmm. and that they'd lost and now he was remembering it there's also a moment where they were on the boat where i considered i wondered whether it was some sort of kind of trauma response of like um nuri's inner child almost the moments where Mohammed was talking about being scared of the water and I'd kind of yeah. gone in my in my head I was like oh is this Nuri projecting his fears that he's feeling because no matter how old or wise or anything you are that's a petrifying experience to go through and I wondered whether it was him kind of creating this inner child figure to put his fears yeah. onto so that he could be calm and collected and and carry on um so there was elements where I was like oh I'm just not quite sure who you are and what you're meant to represent um and I really yeah. enjoyed that um I think it's clear that both Afra and Nuri suffered from it was PTSD I I, I guess yeah. of the effects yeah. of this war um but I quite like that it's a story about war that doesn't focus on war at all it focuses no, on it the effects well, of it yeah um doesn't have much warfare in it at all does it i was no. just thinking that um there's there's not like loads of violence in it at all there's a couple of moments of like brutal yeah. stuff but <laughs> the moments there are um, are very bad yeah not great but <laughs> but it's it yeah like you say it doesn't focus on that or glorify that side of things in in yeah. any way um which i liked yeah, I Definitely. think it's the there is the for want of a better word the kind of bomb and explosion of war, and then the ripple effects that happen throughout the rest of those people's lives forever that will affect them. Yeah. Um, and I think it was important to focus more on that because that is the long lasting effect of war, um, in terms of the kind of blip on history that a certain war will will be. Yeah the effects that that has on those people who've been displaced and who, yes, will start new lives in new countries, but that's not, it's not their mm-hmm. home. And then their generations later, they're in the UK as a result of a war that happened years and years ago. Um, you see that with refugees from previous wars whose, whose families still live in countries that aren't really their homelands. Um, yeah. I think it was just full of important messages, but wrapped up in this kind of poetic, emotional little story, which I just really enjoyed. Um, mm. Although it made me very sad. I wept <laughs> a lot, <laughs> which I think we knew we I would. What a surprise. <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> another message that we sent, which was very much like, I'm already struggling with this. <laughs> like, I'm loving it, but this is ah. bad. Um Oh, yeah the... well we i think we knew that from the outset yeah. was going to be your uh your take home from from the book <laughs> yeah it's a sad book yeah but no no it's but it's not all sad at all like um the that i guess that the overwhelming message is one of hope and resilience uh-huh yeah um so uh it, it can be a really sad book but also yeah a, a uplifting book in a way i mean 
Yeah, I wrote down a quote yeah. where which said, um, which I guess we can talk about the the bees because I guess they they feature. Yes. But the quote I wrote down was, "Where there are bees, there are flowers, and wherever there are flowers, there is new life and hope." Um, yeah. So it was very definitely, and the bee used as this kind of symbol of humanity in its kind of vulnerability, mm-hmm. its resilience, and its sense of community. The idea yeah. that there is always hope. There's always a way that you can start anew and and build yeah. a community and and show each other compassion and grow. Um, I think was the overriding message of the book. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was sad. There's a, a little moment where um, Sammy is playing with his Lego in the in Syria in the in the past yeah. and he's building a little house of lego and talking about how he wants to build a house that's stronger for his family in the future than the houses that they live in and i was like oh no because i knew what happened to him so i was like this is horrible um yeah although that's another interesting element that i thought which sometimes i don't necessarily i don't necessarily like books usually where there isn't the element of not danger, but because there's a, a lot of danger in the book. But you yeah. know that they get to the UK on the first yeah. few pages. Yeah. You know they get there. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah. it was really interesting to me that despite knowing where they ended up, and I knew that the journey was successful, I still felt danger and peril and fear for them through the whole journey, yeah. even though I knew that it was okay in the end. Um, yeah. And I think that was incredibly clever to to be able to make me feel that when I knew that they were going yeah, to be okay. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was feeling that as I was going along. I was like, I'm not sure how I feel like I'm still on the edge of my seat, like not knowing what's going to happen when I know what's going to happen. Yeah, like how how did she manage to do that? I really don't know. Clever, whatever she did. I guess maybe um, because the journey itself was was the the dangerous bit. You weren't sure what yeah. was going to happen within that. And I guess we didn't know the extent of, like, the PTSD and we didn't know what had... I mean, obviously, the death of Sammy we knew about at mm-hmm. fairly early doors. Um, and that was obviously going to have a profound effect on, on them. But... It's kind of alluded to that other stuff happens along the way, uh, and like certain little tidbits of information are are peppered to us throughout. Um, But yeah, it was clever. It was clever writing to keep me in in the story and not be like, oh well, we know we know that it's a happy ending, so to speak, because they they make it, although. We still don't know whether they've actually gained asylum, do we? No. So it's kind of a... Cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. I felt like the ending... Yeah. I thought it was kind of a hopeful ending, which I think is fitting for the book. Um, yeah. I I didn't think it was an unhappy ending, but I couldn't quite be happy because in my head I was like, this is literally life for a lot of people right now yeah. who are living in this almost purgatory where yeah. they then they're not in their life in the past 
partly because it doesn't exist anymore. A lot of the yeah. times the the physical houses that they lived in don't exist anymore, but there's also a massive unknown in their future. Yeah. So it's this kind of just sitting in limbo, in purgatory yeah. almost. Life in limbo, yeah. Um, and I guess that we were left in that in that sense at the end, in limbo. We weren't quite sure where what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the re... The reason that they went to the UK in the first place was because of Mustafa, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's it. Was that Nuri's cousin? Yes. Actual cousin? Yeah. And he was such um, a good character. I really liked yeah. him. Yeah, I did. I I enjoyed having... We had like email check-ins with him, didn't we, as well, yeah. throughout. throughout. Um, and I I liked hearing from the perspective of someone who's made it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and he was definitely like a a voice a voice of hope for Nuri. I really wasn't it. He was the reason that Nuri kept going. Yeah. Kept them going to make sure that they could get to the UK. Yeah, I thought he was um, yeah. he was a super positive um, and really just kind and kind of... I could imagine him as this kind of larger-than-life ball yeah. of energy that just kind of... He just seemed like a really positive character. Um, in the acknowledgements at the end of the book, I was just looking through to find um, the guy's name. He's um, actually inspired by a real-life guy who was a refugee. He's Professor... Riyad Al Sous, who um, founded the Buzz Project, which I think is in Yorkshire, um, and it, he does exactly what Mustafa does in the book. He's a refugee who was a beekeeper in his home country um, and sought asylum in the UK and now has a project where he teaches refugees how to beekeep. Um, so I, I don't know, I mean, I didn't know that when I was listening and reading the book. Um, but I felt like he seemed like a real, I don't know, he seems more real, but he seemed like more of a kind of a real believable character because, yeah. um, and then finding that out, I think, and I, I don't know, I just, I like the idea of the bees as this kind of idea of hope within the book, but yeah. obviously we know the importance of them in, in the world in terms of like just yeah. the ecology of the world. And I quite like the idea that it's this, this tiny little thing which is of so much importance and symbolism and I thought it was just lovely and beautiful and I think he sounds yeah. great as well oh well that's cool we can yeah. go is he still alive because I think I so yeah still and the around. project is is still happening still I definitely going. Oh. I'm gonna google it and see if we can go and take pictures with the book <laughs> or we might have to do it really quickly but that would be really cool <laughs> yeah I mean, I don't have any time to go and take pictures at the bee... Is it a bee farm? An apiary. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's in the book. It's in the book, yeah. I'll call it a bee farm. <laughs> <laughs> I have been furiously Googled because obviously had to look for bees to try to take pictures for the review photos. And I did discover that on top of um, the Liverpool One shopping centre, there are thousands of bees... They've got beehives on top yeah. of the Liverpool One shopping centre, full of bees. But go. I think I might be frowned upon if I start scaling the side of a shopping centre just to take a bookstagram photo, so I might mm, have to think of a different possibly. option. 
Um, yeah, and we're coming to the end of like flowery season, aren't we? As well, yeah. so it's not like they're knocking around that much at the moment. But there we go. Oh, let's talk about the the murder. Yeah, I. Um, that's because that's a random aside. I feel like that's kind of like you come kind of comes out of nowhere it does and i actually that section of the book i it was when i was driving and i felt a little bit like what you'd said like i almost felt like i'd had a blackout for because it came yeah. so far out of nowhere and nuri is such a kind of calm and gentle and mm-hmm. kind of caring character and then he's talking about killing somebody and i was like have what have i missed here what's happened here what's mm-hmm. he done and i actually had to rewind it and go back same um and I still don't really get it. I No, I'm not sure I do. I guess maybe that's to represent the kind of the lengths of desperation that people will go to and almost that kind of cornered animal feeling that you end up with when you've lost that you lose the kind yeah. of privacy, the personal space, your child, your home, your everything that you that you know. And does it strip you back almost to an animalistic kind of yeah thing where it's it's not necessarily it's kill or be killed i guess if you boil it right down um yeah i think he undoubtedly regretted it and yeah i think it probably will haunt him as a as a character forever Mm. um but i also think it just it just nods to the desperation that he felt of yeah of the situation that he was in um yeah some of those little snippets of characters in the refugee camp i found really interesting and i guess to a certain extent in the in the b&b that they live in in the uk the refugee b&b those those side characters i thought were were really interesting Mm -hmm. and i guess to to illustrate further that refugees can come from all countries and all parts of of the world um and from different situations, I think, was important. Um, yeah. And that that kind of sense of community that's forged from the trauma that they've all experienced, however yeah. different, Shared that's experience. Um, it, it kind of forces them to have some sort of connection with each other. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like it's... It's a really sad book which covers really sad and heavy things but the overwhelming feeling that I had at the end of it was just one of hope of the strength of humanity and of people individually and collectively to just survive and keep going and care for yeah. each other. I was I was interested in like how the relationship of Nuri and Afra kind of how it ended up. I mean, I feel like still, it wasn't exactly like a nicely tied up in a bow type thing, was it? But I think as we got towards the end of the novel and they started to have a little bit more understanding of what each what each one of them was going through, because neither of them were particularly talking to each other yeah. about what was going on. Yeah, they'd very much... Um, gone into themselves hadn't they um yeah. i guess afra physically with her she'd yeah. gone blind and her, just lived in her own dark world and 
I think there is a passage where she talks about, she talks to him and says that it's you that's living in darkness. Despite the fact yeah. that he can see, he has this dark inside him. I think that that's maybe... I, I think that was one of the, the main kind of themes of the novel was them finding each other again. And I think mm. it's maybe more... It, I, I'm... Yeah, I guess I speak in from personal experience of going through a, a, a traumatic, life-changing thing, not to that extent, but you grow mm. apart because you have to just deal with yourself and your own things. Yeah. And, and there is a point where you either have to go the opposite direction to each other or you come closer mm. and work your way back to each other. Um, yeah. And they definitely are working back towards each other through their just determination to kind of stick at it. Um, I think that was probably intentional, the idea of them kind of sticking together and learning how to how to communicate, however slowly, with each other again. Um, yeah. I liked their relationship and that kind of internal journey that they had of of finding who they were individually again and how to deal with things individually, but then coming together again yeah. towards the end. Um, I I liked that it was uh, it was an imperfect relationship, but it wasn't a horrible relationship. Yeah. I don't think you get that many of those <laughs> where it feels like real like on on the page it yeah, feels def- yeah like it's totally what would happen yeah it felt very believable as as a marriage goes not that yeah. i'm married yet but i'll let you know hopefully i won't <laughs> go through anything that traumatic but you know yeah i um i yeah. i get that yeah i think you do te- there's a tendency to read relationships in books that are either way on the end of toxic and horrendous or mm. far too over romanticized and that the space yeah. for real relationships yeah. you don't see that often in in novels and i do think it felt very real yeah and then at the yeah. moment where he speaks about wanting to have another child with her um that kind of it's all of the things that they lost were not it wasn't a, obviously the the some things that they can't get back but they can grow them again in a different way so they can choose to have more children if they wanted to they lost their home and the land that was theirs but they can grow a new home and build a new life in a different country it will look totally different but the loss of one does not mean the end of the future it's just different and it's about learning how to kind of turn the perspective around towards the hope for that rather than just stopping and the end of the world which Afra wanted to do she when she didn't want to leave Syria she was like this is it this is the end and it was his kind of determination and drive to say no there is a future for us um yeah with the bees (laughs) oh well I'm glad they went on their journey so that we could read about it yeah I've got another little piece of paper here which um I'm this is my my little notes from Instagram. Ah. We were going to try to do like a new, well, this was my my idea to, to give ourselves more work to do, <laughs> was to add cool. another little segment to the <laughs> podcast maybe, um, which in my head was like, you know, like old fashioned on like Blue Peter, they would have the Blue Peter post bag. 
So I'm tra- yes. I've been trying to think of a name for it, and the best I've come up with so far is the book bag corner, <laughs> which we're going to read okay. messages from people who've also read the book. So we put a little shout out on the story, I guess, just to get different little opinions. I think it's nice to have other people's mm. brief thoughts and opinions. So um, I've written down a few that we got, um, and we were just going to give a little shout out. It seems like a lot of people probably had the same kind of feelings as us. Um, yeah. So this might work, it might not. If you hate it, tell us and we won't do it again. <laughs> um, so we got messaged by at paradise underscore library who um, drops a little message and said, my friend told me that there are better books about Syria out there so she felt let down. I felt it was less about Syria than about his personal journey. It could have been mm-hmm. anywhere. Which is kind of like what we touched upon and said. What that, we're saying, yeah. yeah. Um, which I can guess if you wanted a book about Syria... It's not necessarily that. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, our um, our podcast friends at Reading Materials Pod said it was triggering and heartbreaking, but at the same time uplifting. Um, yeah. We've got yeah. Sad But Powerful Read, Enjoyed It by at NadyK79. Um, at Francis Gormley, Loved It, So Emotional. Um, at Spoon About Town said amazing and at Jess underscore loves reading said it was beautifully written heartbreaking and my favourite read of the year so far so oh, that's high praise high indeed high praise indeed yeah <laughs> I think in a if I'd been in a different frame of mind then maybe even I would have rated it even higher uh, but yeah I, I did really enjoy it Maybe it's just it wasn't exactly what I was expecting it to be. But I don't... Yeah, I don't know what I thought I was going to be reading. <laughs> I don't know whether that was intentional either. I do feel like the yeah. the title is very misleading. Yeah, there's no yeah, yeah. There's no way that I thought I was going to get what I got when I picked it up. Um, yeah. I think it makes it sound like something kind of flowery and... Um, and yeah it was a lot deeper than i expected it to be but i enjoyed it yeah same and it's still i i don't know if it's still for for free on uh audible at the moment that's uh worth looking into if you haven't read it then i got it for free on audible and on my kindle as well because it was part of prime reading too just fyi oh i should i should probably say that i actually got my copy from um the how novel people lovely people at how novel who do um mystery books and um so wrapped up in brown paper you get a few clues as to what the content of the book might be but you don't know what book it is this was mine which i got way back months and months ago and we've just got around to reading and i'm very pleased that we did so um yeah that was gifted to me as part of their little gift box which um, I'm super grateful for um yeah I think it was yeah closing points it was a very nice story about um the determination of human beings and the will to survive the resilience of human spirit and the importance of family is what I wrote down I kind of felt like the feeling that regardless of where you are in the world and what your home looks like the people that you've got around you are the the important thing. Be them 
yeah. found family or born family or whoever it is that you call home, that's what's important. Yeah. Um, and that was my kind of takeaway from that. I hope I didn't mogalog too much for you. <laughs> you mogalogged all all the time. No, so, <laughs> it's a perfect amount of mogalogging. <laughs> so. Yeah, next time will hopefully be a short stories episode. It might be quite short from me because I've read barely anything. <laughs> I must admit, it's been a bleak time on the old book front. I'm not going to lie. Um, but that's fine. Yeah. Let's, we're, we're just doing this for fun. Absolutely. It's all good. Um, so we'll we'll see what I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about still, including my little foray into audiobooks read by Tom Hanks. Hello. <laughs> so we'll, t- we'll talk about that. Love Tom Hanks. But that's for next time. What have you been reading? Anything um good? absolute mind blank. I don't know. I have actually just finished <laughs> Um, another audio. The audio. I'm still on an audiobook train. Bob Mortimer's audiobook. Um, so oh, Bob fun. Mortimer is a local lad to me. So it was yeah. um, local references, local accents. I blasted through it in literally a day, and it's just delightful. He's a little ball of happiness, and I can't wait Aww. to traipse around Borough and take some good pictures for it. So that's a real good recommendation. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Um, we've we've just been given another audiobook as well, haven't we? To yeah. um to listen to the uh, it's the Lawrence Cheney, yeah, the drag queen of Scots. I started it today. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I I'm I've never watched Drag Race. Ever so. <laughs> I'm coming at this from a like completely. Uh, I, I'm I'm a, a drag queen virgin, so to speak. So we'll see we'll see how I get on with it. <laughs> I'm oh well, see I'm a I'm a drag queen lurker. The fan of drag race okay. in our house is Alex, which might surprise okay. you because he's such a manly manly football lad. Um, mm. <laughs> loves a bit of drag race. So I have seen it okay. in the corner of my peripheral vision as he watches it yeah. and um, mostly just feel very jealous of how fabulous they all look whilst oh, I'm sitting there fabulous. looking like a thumb. Um, well, I don't think that's true, mate. But um, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to listen to that this week, yes. aren't we? The, the guys at Penguin Audio gifted us that. So we'll get listening and, and let you know how that, how that pans out. Yeah. Um, that's that's a complete departure from what we've been talking about today so there we go something something different to look forward to absolutely Um, but yeah in the meantime i hope everyone has an all right couple of weeks and that you manage to get more rest than me (laughs) (laughs) Ah, and sorry if i've been babbling rubbish and not not spoken real words <laughs> you've been fine mug log <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we'll end it <laughs> bye everybody <laughs> talk at you later hi there 
Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls, One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all, all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls, One Book Pod. So come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.